you have to take the energy out of your system. There's an energetic residue of the emotions. They have to go. They literally have to physically go in order for you to move on. And people don't realize that. You're listening to This Life Explains It All. With the creators of Vera, your guide for navigating a conscious life. We're Stefania Romeo and Catherine Griffiths. This Life Explains It All was created out of belief that our life experience is our greatest teacher. And as soul sisters and intuitives, we've spent the past decade completely obsessed with better understanding our minds and our bodies, all while running a mile a minute with busy careers as leaders in the tech startup world. On this podcast, we are bringing you the insights and lessons that have changed our lives with the thought leaders, healers, and dreamers behind them. We're discussing wellness practices, healing methods, and experiences that get us to think differently about life and live empowered. Whether you want to uplevel your health, your career, your relationship, or are going through changes to your life path, this information can help you get there and let you know that we're right here with you. We believe life isn't meant to be lived linear, and no matter where you are right now, you're right on time. Today, we're talking to Sashma Sagar, founder of The Comery in London, a brand with a different take on energy healing. Sashma had a successful career in fashion with roles at some of the biggest brands, Kate Spade, Ben Sherman, Ted Baker, to name a few. Despite her success, she kept running into signs telling her to change career paths and embrace the energetic gifts she had denied, and the signs kept getting louder and louder. A personal life rock bottom, in her case, a very painful breakup, led her to seek out alternative healing to understand and move through it. This experience helped to set her on the path to change her career and build something new. Thus, she founded The Calmery. Her vision with The Calmery is to demystify energy healing and make it more accessible. She brings beauty, design, and a luxury element to the space that is uniquely hers. One of the things that I have been thinking a lot about in reflecting on the conversation with Shushma is actually another conversation that I heard recently on the Rich Roll podcast, who I love and have so much respect for Rich Roll. If you guys haven't checked out the podcast, it's definitely worth checking out. He's sort of an ultra athlete, plant-based, had a really interesting background, suffered from addiction and totally turned his life around in his 40s, went from being one of the most unhealthy people to one of the foremost athletes in the world. And he had a doctor on his podcast in December that I had listened to. His name is Rangan Chatterjee. And he talked a lot about the importance of passion in life and in career and how he's treating mental health issues by prescribing activities of passion and human connection in people's lives. So I was thinking a lot about this podcast that I had just heard all about incorporating passions into our life and how that helps to reduce our stress. And I think it's in the context of this conversation with Shushma and career path is really relevant as well. But he does a lot of research around stress and mental health. And the data shows that between 70 and 90% of every issue that a GP doctor would see on a regular basis is in some way related to stress. And the research also shows us that regularly doing things that we love help make us more resilient to stress. But because we are so kind of overextended in this world and in our schedules and in the things that we feel like we have to do, it can be hard to 
incorporate those passions and the things that we love. So his blanket recommendation, and obviously he works with people individually and gives really specific treatment plans, is to incorporate a daily dose of pleasure into our lives for even five minutes. And by doing that every day in some small way, we build resilience to stress and we improve our mental health and and live happier. So I think in the context of Shishma, she talks about how she slowly incorporated the thing that she loved and then ended up making that her career. But I think even on kind of a smaller basis, it's an interesting thing to think about and think like every day, do I have at least five minutes of like pure joy or doing something that I love and am passionate about? So in one case, he talked about this 50-year-old CEO who he worked with who was like, had everything on the outside. He was very financially successful. He had a wife and a family, but he just felt like very flat. And he felt like I'm going through the motions of my life. Like, okay, my job's so-so. Yeah, my relationship's okay. But I just feel like I'm depressed because I feel like I'm going through the motions. And in the work that he did with this patient, he said, you know, what do you love doing? Like, what's your passion? Do you have a hobby? And he said, oh, I don't have time for a hobby. You know, I spend time with my family. But but he said, okay, but aside from like you spend time with your family, like what do you as yourself, like if he was talking to you, Catherine, I don't know the, this man's name, but he said like, what do you do for you that you absolutely love? Like, what did you do as a child? He said, well, I actually loved like trains and collecting trains when I was a kid and a teenager. And so he said, okay, well, why don't you incorporate that into your life? Just get a train set, see what that sparks in you. And he ended up running into the woman's wife in town like a couple months later. And it turned out that, you know, he had really like gotten into this like train collection community and started, you know, a collector's blog, subscribed to the magazines and was because of that, was approaching every other thing in his life with so much passion. His relationship got better. His, you know, his marriage got better. He was happier at his job by incorporating this one small thing. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be something like that. I mean, Dr. Chatterjee says it can be a hack in the interim, like you're feeling down or low or that you don't have that joy. Like find your favorite comedian and for five minutes every day, like watch some of their stand-up on YouTube, you know, can even be like a little hack like that. But I thought it was really interesting and I love his work and I'm not doing it justice fully by giving this little anecdote right now, but I highly suggest listening to that podcast and also checking out the work of Rangan Chatterjee. Really, really fascinating and interesting. Yeah, I think that is so true. And sometimes with everything going on and how stressed out most people are, it's hard to even know what that thing is that you love doing because your mind is so crowded with everything else. And I love thinking about what did you love doing as a child? I even think this way about all of my nieces because four of my nieces are from the same parents, but they are all so different. One of my nieces is super into dance and then the other one is wanting to start a pet business and you know the other one loves running and there's just certain things that you can just tell that they fundamentally love. And I think as you get older, you forget those things. So it's important to really remember those and or have somebody remind you when you were little, you loved dancing, you danced all the time. That was just you love performing and doing all that and be reminded of that. Because if you incorporate some of that into your life today, it really could make a big difference. What did you love as a child? 
I used to take little pieces of paper and rip them up and put them like line them up in my room and pretend like I was a teacher and I would send the kids the pieces of paper to the principal a lot. And I loved playing with babies and that was a really fun thing for me to do. I did love dancing and performing with my friends. I still love dancing and singing. So I think that's one thing that I can incorporate into my life today. I used to sell things from the house that got me in a little bit of trouble. Oh my God. Your your things are so similar to my things. My things really? were, yeah, like there were two things that came to mind for me. Number one, I used to have sales in my house. They weren't real sales. Sometimes I would just create a store like in my room and invite my family over to shop in the room. I would lay everything out. It was very entrepreneurial. And then the other thing was I would make videos on the video camera, like dancing or creating commercials for fake products. (laughs) Oh, I used to do that too, actually. I used to line everything up in my bathroom because we had these big mirrors. And I would pretend like I was on a cooking show and make concoctions with all the different shampoos and conditions. Oh my God, I did that too. Is that normal? I don't know. We should ask. I wonder if a lot of people do that. And then I would bring things out from the house and have a sale outside and invite all the neighbors. But I got in trouble for that because I sold some things that <laughs> were like valuable in the house. So my mom, my mom had to call the neighbors and get it back. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the episode. So in this episode, we talked to Sushma about how to move through painful moments that we all go through, like breakups, career path changes, and how they are often the things that put us on the path to living the best version of our life. We're discussing how life's rock bottoms can be our greatest gifts, the steps to move through a painful breakup with grace, how to both recognize and navigate around shame and fear that can come with making a big life change, giving up what looks great on the outside, and in her case, her high-powered fashion career, for a life filled with more meaning. And Shishma wanted us to mention that she had a little bit of a cold on the episode, so her voice isn't quite up to what it normally is, although we don't think you'll be able to tell. We couldn't really. Well, let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast. There's so many changes and pivots to your life that kind of led you on this path. So yeah, it's really inspiring. And you know, we just wanted to dig into that more. Perfect. Thanks a lot for having me. So I'd love to start if you could share a bit about your background. Yes, definitely. So what my professional background is actually in fashion marketing. Well, I actually started off as a textile designer. And then after that, I, I sort of moved from textile design into more of the marketing side of fashion and PR. And then I worked for big brands. Like I worked for agencies and FMCG brands. And then I moved into actual fashion brands. So I was with Ted Baker and Ben Sherman, which are both UK brands. And then I was with Diesel and then I was in Banana Republic. And then eventually Kate Spade, New York, so more American brands towards the end. And I was really kind of like really embedded in a big marketing corporate fashion life up until about three years ago but at the same time what I was doing I also had a hobby which was healing and I'd learned to do healing back in 2002 and it was just something that I had learned on the side and it turned out to be a hobby that got out of control (laughs) in the end because it ended up taking over the main job and here I am with my business in healing. 
How did you get into healing? What was your first experience with it? My first experience with it was because I had been suffering from the grief for heartbreak. And it's a very real grief, whether someone has actually died or not, you feel the loss so intently. And it was the very first heartbreak I'd ever had. And I was very young as well. And it was the first time I'd experienced like heartbreak. And it felt like a real physical, <laughs> like a physical ailment. I, I, I mean, I, my heart literally felt like it was in pieces and I, I couldn't eat and I wasn't sleeping very well. And I was just really very, very, very desperately upset. And I didn't really have any tools to deal with it. My parents are both doctors, but, you know, if you go to a Western doctor and you're suffering from heartbreak, they can't really do much for you. And I definitely, I definitely wasn't going to take any sort of antidepressants or pharmaceuticals. So I kind of was on my own. And a friend at the time, she had suggested that I go and see an acupuncturist. And I, again, I'd never, I knew nothing about Chinese medicine in those days. But I was so desperate, I figured I'd give anything a go. And it turned out that the lady that she sent me to was also a Reiki master. And she would administer Reiki healing whilst the needles were in me. And I remember just responding so well to this treatment. You know, I'd go in there crying my eyes out. And within an hour of the treatment with her, I would be completely transformed. And after a couple of uh, sessions with her, I think I did ask her, what are you doing exactly? Because this is spooky. You know, I'll come in here wailing. And I'm, by the end of the session, I'm laughing. And it's just bizarre. What are you doing? Are you, are you, you know, are you spiking my tea? What are you doing? And then she told me that she was doing this thing called Reiki. And I had no idea what that was. And I think at the time, maybe because I'd responded so well to it, maybe she had seen that I was a sensitive person of some description. And she said, why don't you come and learn with me? I'll teach you. And then she invited me on a course. And it happened to be that following weekend. And I remember sort of that was on the Tuesday. And then by the following Tuesday, I'd been trained up in Reiki 1 and 2. And my whole life had just completely changed in, in five days. It was really like that, that quick. It sorted me out. And it also then gave me a tool that I could do on myself and I could use myself. And I think it was that feeling of being empowered, actually, that really helped me because I felt so disempowered and so vulnerable to go from that to feeling like, I have something that I can use to make myself feel better anytime I want. And that in itself was a very, like I say, very empowering moment for me as a human <laughs> to be able to handle anything that's thrown me. So, oh, you know, had a bad day at work. I could, I could sort myself out having an argument with your mum and dad. You could sort yourself out. You know, whatever happens, you have the skill that you could use to make yourself feel better. And it really set me up. I guess going back to the topic of breakups, you know, obviously that that was a really kind of traumatic experience for you at an early age and breakups I feel like are our biggest teachers in a lot of ways. Why do you think that at that time it affected you so much? Do you think that that's kind of what led you on the path and that had to happen? Like what do you think it was? I mean, I think it upset me at the time because it ended quite badly and we weren't on good terms and there was a lot of blame, you know, in those, when we have a breakup, someone blames someone and I think I felt like it was unfair and, and it felt like the world was against me. You know, sometimes you can feel like that. And of course, you know, with breakups as well, 
like you had a lot of similar friends and so I didn't really know who I was anymore because my life changed and I, my lifestyle was changing and it was so it was very big it wasn't just losing a person it was losing a life it was losing a future that you thought you were going to have there was lots of different levels to the grief at losing a part of yourself or even losing a part of yourself that you thought you were going to have so there was lots of like a future self almost it was lots of different levels to the grief and like I said I was so young I just didn't have the tools I didn't really know myself that well either in those days I was still working out who I was it was all of those things combined I feel like I'm still working on myself and figuring myself out. But when I, but when I look at myself from like in my 20s, I mean, I didn't have any idea. So yeah, clueless, aren't you? Totally. <laughs> Definitely. So at least I have a little bit of a better idea now. <laughs> yeah. So like in terms of now, like how do you think that experience has changed how you deal with... I know you mentioned like you have a lot more ease in dealing with any situation now. Do you find the same with how you approach relationships as well? Yeah, definitely. And I think the thing about energy healing, I mean, I now practice a few different forms of energy healing. At the time, it was just the Reiki that I was using. You know, it works on three different levels. So it works on a physical level. So if there is something physically wrong with you, it boosts your own ability to heal yourself because obviously we are healing. Our bodies are already healing machines. We know how to heal ourselves. We cut ourselves, let it heal over, you know, our blood cells know what to do. But if you're administering energy healing to yourself or receiving it, it speeds that process up. It expedites your physical healing. On a emotional level, and this is where it's very helpful because this is like an unseen healing that needs to happen. It helps you to boost your emotional self and it comforts you and it heals your emotional side, like the energy of your emotions. But then in another sense as well, it also gives you a spiritual healing because when you receive healing and you'll grow yourself from your experience, it makes you very, very aware that we're all connected and we're all made of energy, otherwise you wouldn't be able to experience it. And then this idea that you're all connected is very, very reassuring and it makes you feel close to the world. It doesn't make you feel alone. So there's three different levels of healing that you will experience and we're humans and we're holistic beings. You know, we need to heal on three different levels to heal fully. And in the West, we tend to heal only on a physical level. Maybe you can see a shrink and you can talk your way through any emotions, but then actually healing those emotions and also healing your soul that's the missing link I think we find and often that's what people don't get a chance to do and when you do some sort of energy healing it actually ticks that spiritual healing box as well and that's when you will feel fully ready to move on because you've addressed all of those parts of yourself. In the modern world I think it's harder maybe to connect with yourself at that soul level and I think that you know, people are starting to get more into energy healing and all of this. But what is kind of a first step that someone could take? For me, it was being introduced into Reiki and, and sort of being connected to this universal source energy. Um, like knowing that there's this sort of, it's like a kind of universal energy source which exists in everything that's alive. That is the difference between what's alive and what isn't. And knowing that you can tap into that and be given the ability 
you know, tangible, palpable experience and feeling it where it's something you can't deny is there. That in itself is the very spiritual moment because you can feel it. It's there, you know, so you're not having to believe someone that says it's there. You are, you're having your own experience and you know it's there. So I suppose it's how people feel when they find God and they join a religion of some description because they are having their own epiphany or experience. And when you start to work with energy and you can genuinely feel it. It's almost just like that feeling of something is bigger than yourself. So maybe your problems aren't as big as they seem. Yeah, and it is, it is, it's completely that. It's this idea that there is something bigger out there and more powerful and bigger than you. And you can trust it and you can believe in, in that thing. It has a bigger intelligence as well. It knows more than you do. It's in nature. And I think it's quite awe inspiring to feel like it's not all on you. You don't have to figure everything out. You can just give yourself over to this source. And the source will help you. How do you know that perhaps you're on a different path than what you're intended to, or maybe it's a timing thing? How did you know that? Honestly, I didn't for a very, very long time. I had absolutely no intention whatsoever of doing this. This was the last thing on my list of what I wanted to do. It was kind of like my private happy place that I had no interest in sharing with anybody. But when you've been practicing something for quite a long time, like it had been you know, 15 years plus that I had been doing this work privately for myself, I worked my way through all the levels. And I think when it comes to something like this, after a certain point, the world decides that you need to share it. The idea is that it's not about you anymore, that you have done enough work and you've mastered it to a degree where it's not about you anymore. And now you have to share it. And even if you don't realize that you have to share it, the universe decides that you're, it's now time for you to share this. And I think that's what happened to me was that I was then pretty much given the signs that it's about sharing now. And it, they came very clearly in, in students that wanted me to teach them. And I had no interest in teaching anybody, even though I was trained up as a teacher for Reiki. I'd been trained for eight years, but I had no interest whatsoever in teaching. You know, like when you do your teacher training, you do it because it's part of a course, but you don't think for any reason or any moment that I would actually do the teaching. And then these students started coming and I would say, no, 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 I know a very good teacher. And I would give them, I'd recommend my, my peers and I'd recommend other people that I'd worked with. And then there was one girl in particular that just said, no, 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 I want you to teach me. And I was like, listen, I've never done this before. You're best off going to someone more experienced. And she just would not go away. And then it started to dawn on me that, oh, I get it. I am supposed to teach this girl. And she is my first student ever. And she won't go away. And I started to understand then that that was, that was what was happening. And the world had sent me somebody. And now it was almost my duty in a way to teach this girl. So then I re when I realized that, I started teaching on the side. And that was how it kind of started. And I think also then being, just being very honest about the fact that I did this, because I also, I forgot to mention, I hadn't told anybody that I did this. So it'd been like a very secret thing. And I'd, I'd kept it very secret. I'd, I'd like kept it like a double life. So I'd had this sort of very glamorous fashion life and I would go in and I'd live this life, I'd travel around the world and be this sort of hotshot 
And then I also had this kind of full-on-blown hippie other side that I kept completely under wraps and didn't share. It had nothing to do with my fashion life, in my opinion, and it had nothing to do with anyone else, in my opinion. So I'd, I hadn't been very honest with the world about who I actually was. There was one year that I went to New York and I met an amazing lady called Ruby Warrington who had a platform called The Numinous. Oh, yeah. And she, you know The Numinous? Yeah, we actually just had her on the podcast as well. Oh, did you? Yeah, she's amazing. She really is. It was actually Kirsty introduced me to Ruby and we hit it off on, on the roof of Shoreditch House. It was so sex in the city. She showed me that it was okay to be interested in fashion and also be interested in spiritual things because I just didn't think the two and two went together. But it was Ruby that showed me that you can be both. And having met Ruby and a like, squad of amazing kind of cool witches in New York, and then I suddenly had these, I was like hanging out with these women and they were gorgeous and they were sexy and they were fashionable and they were astrologers and they were neurologists and they were, you know, and they did all this stuff and they were like me. And I just thought, wow, I can be both. I don't have to hide the side of myself. And that was a really big moment for me as well because I, I went back into work on that trip and I called it coming out because I literally came out of the closet and I started telling people that I was doing healing on the side, as, you know, just as a hobby. And I'd never done that before. I'd never been honest about that side of my world. In all of those years of having a job, no one knew that's what I did. It's just incredible how many signs you are getting. It's like the universe is just like, please, you have to do this now. There's no other choice. I love that. I know. And they put people in my path, you know, friends like Kirsty have been amazing for putting the right people in my path to show me what my next step should be. And that's something that I think about a lot too, because I can be quite hard on myself in terms of, am I doing the right things? Or am I doing it in the right time? And whenever I look back, I have everything that I wanted to have, but I guess it's just like trusting the time in a sense and trusting that when it happens, it'll happen. Do you kind of believe in that as well and see it that way? Yes. You have to keep reminding yourself to have that bird's eye viewpoint in your life and not get pulled into the day-to-day and the minutiae. But yes, because in hindsight, when you look back or when I look back, it, it has always been like that. There's been some divine timing involved or some wonderful friend has introduced you to exactly the right person at the right moment. And often people do ask me, you know, at what point did you decide to give up your job or this or that? And there wasn't a moment when I woke up in the morning and thought, that's what I'm going to do. And then I went into work and did it. It didn't work like that. It was more a sort of gradual understanding and a sort of gradual dawning through the way that life was directing me and also through my own sense of self and discovery of being honest about who I was, what I was into, what made me me, and then also what legacy I wanted to leave in the world. And I think that that's only something that comes to you as you get older, when you start to wonder what are you leaving behind and what's your place and what are you you here for? What's your contribution to humanity going to be? What will people remember you for? And when you start to have those kind of more existential questions, that's also another time when you might start to really doubt your unique contribution, let's say, to the planet. 
and what that might be. And it might not necessarily be thing that you get your money from in the daytime. Yeah, I can completely resonate with that. I mean, I think, yeah, every year that I get older, I'm thinking more and more about, okay, you know, what can I do? And I definitely wasn't thinking about that when I was younger. It was just like, oh, everything's amazing. Let's just have fun. (laughs) Totally, totally. That's definitely an age thing. It's definitely an age thing. I was coming up to 40 and I think that is actually maybe a turning point um, for a lot of people because you kind of feel like maybe you're approaching halfway through your career when you've done your first part of your career you've really embedded yourself in something and then if you are going to make a change you do need to think about when you're going to do it because you've only got so many years on the planet there's never going to be a good time to make a big change is there it never feels like one sometimes you just have to you just have to listen for the signs. When you look for your own path, you've got to look at what only you can do and a combination of everything that makes up you. And that's really the secret to doing well is to find out what makes you you and that only you can do. And then that's, as they say, your superpower. That's so true. And I love thinking about it like that too, because it's not like, oh, like, you know, you're not interested in the fashion end of it at all. It's just how can you take that and make something beautiful combining both. I know that you mentioned living that double life for a period of time and keeping the healing in the closet, so to speak. What did it feel like to do that for that time period? I'll be honest, it just felt normal because that was just how I'd been living. I hadn't been honest with myself about who I was. I guess I was in denial and it it didn't occur to me that there was anything wrong with that. I just hadn't got to that place of self-realization where I didn't feel authentic. I thought I was being authentic. I didn't see a problem in hiding myself. It just didn't occur to me that that was not being authentic. But it was only then through meeting people that were genuinely being authentic and being true to all parts of themselves. And I think that's just growing up as well. I really do. As I said earlier, how you, when you get to really know yourself and you start to be more comfortable with all the different facets that make up you. And I think that is a, a maturity that comes as you get older and you start to face up to everything that you actually are, just not the bits that you would like to look at. And what do you think it is that we're scared of? Because I think this is a really relatable topic, like even just whether it's leaving your corporate job or leaving a relationship or doing anything that's kind of a little bit outside of the norm or just to simplify it a bit, like just being your authentic self. What do you think from your perspective that we're kind of all scared of? I suppose we're scared that people will judge us. We're scared that people won't like us anymore. We're scared that somehow we won't fit in, that we'll be ostracized. I guess those were the main things that... I was probably scared of that. I was scared that people at work wouldn't take me seriously if they thought that I was this hippie person on the side. I thought they would think I wasn't serious about my job, that I wasn't diligent, that I wasn't committed because I had this other interest. I guess I was worried that my family would, you know, they were so proud of me doing so well in these big corporate jobs. It was very, you know... I come from an Indian family, and so having this daughter that was doing so successful, I knew how proud that made them, and I didn't want them to not be proud of me, I guess, in a nutshell. And then also, 
I didn't want to not be, I don't know, cool. <laughs> you know, like I had this cool job and, you know, I, if you went to a dinner party and you'd say, what do you do? I'd go, oh, I'm a marketing director at Kate Spade. I wouldn't be very impressed by that. And I liked that feeling, you know, I liked the status. I don't mind saying that, but I did. And I felt proud of being able to say that's what I did. I worked very hard to be able to be in that position. And I guess I was worried, like, who would I be? Who, who am I without this big job? And a lot of us are wrapped up in the, the trappings of, of identity around our work. And we never really delved into the identity of actually who we are. So it's easy just to think that we are our work. And if you like your work and you like what it represents, then you can get very wrapped up in that as an identity. And I think the prospect of not having that identity was quite alarming and terrifying, actually. So there's quite a few reasons why I haven't sort of gone down that road. And I think the longer it goes on as well, it becomes harder because of the identity piece, because your identity is wrapped up in all of these things. And when you go to change it, I mean, people don't always respond well, but then other people really surprise you. So I think it's so true, though. It it is hard in in those ways. You go into it almost slightly blind and, and very hopeful, and then you have to actually go through the process to take you into the next phase of your existence of, of being human on the planet. And it's physical and it's mental and it's emotional and it's spiritual. It's all the things on the Reiki has actually helped me to make that transition. Yeah, that's such a good point because, you know, people don't talk about that period. And, you know, even myself going through this, I had a lot of those fears like, oh, like, you know, what are people going to think? And I think there is that identity period that, you do go through when you go out on your own. And that's such a good point. And I'd like to think it's worth it in the end, but because you become more yourself and more authentic in the end. Yeah. And you have to, you have to decide what you feel comfortable with saying that you are. And that also takes time. Like it took ages for me to say that I was a healer. It just made me wince. I had to just be like, Oh no. I'd much rather say that I was an entrepreneur. I have a healing brand or I'm a writer. You know, I I have all these other labels. And it's all they're just semantics, aren't they? It's so ridiculous. Your ego has has its own ideas about what it thinks you are. What did you learn about yourself during that shamanic training? There's so much, but the biggest thing was realizing that you're generally a combination of, of lots of things that you've inherited or that you've taken on that you've absorbed from your culture so when you start to remove all of those things that you have maybe just taken on whether it be for your culture through your friends your family society your belief systems the patterns the way you live the things you think you want and you've never actually really worked out whether you take all of that away take all the judgment take all of the opinions around you away do you still think that thing and if you're part of a religion, you're probably have just taken on all of the belief systems that that religion has. If you're part of a strong culture, you will have just absorbed all of the cultural belief systems that you were brought into. You know, your education will have put a load of stuff into you. And then trying to unravel and unpick all of that stuff to think, what do just you alone, genuinely, what do you think about any subject? And is what you think what you think? Or is it something that you just absorbed from someone else. 
And that is a massive, massive, massive undertaking. And it's so complex because you realize that you actually have taken most of things on from other people. And then when you really take it all apart, you don't know what you think because you've never had to <laughs> work that out. And that is a head fuck, honestly. I feel like we don't take enough time to sit alone and actually ask ourselves. Absolutely. Tuning into your inner compass, like knowing that you have, your body knows what's right and wrong, your body knows what's right for you, but we very rarely use that as a guide. And it's very transformative to do anything like that, any kind of work like that. And when when you were doing that work, did you find that like, how did you see your relationships, just relationships with anyone, friends, family? How did they change when you started doing that work? Well, when I came back, there was a massive period when things were rocky because, you know, you're cutting toxic cords out of your life because you can now see that they are toxic. You're changing the way that you behave and you go through this massive transformation. You can't the other end and you go back and everyone else is the same. And everybody else and the way they deal with you is the same. They haven't changed, but you have. And then there is this massive period where you, it's rocky and people are upset with you because they don't know, they don't know what's happened and you're different and you're not entertaining the same ways of communicating anymore and you're not playing the same games anymore and you're not doing the things that you were doing before and they don't know how to handle it because they still are. And there is a real period of, friction with people close to you and you'll find that people who aren't meant for you will melt away they will just melt away and the people who are meant for you will adjust eventually and it will adjust and then your relationships get stronger and more healthier but you have to calibrate and you have to stick it out and it's really really difficult because you lose people and those people were not that are not right for your next evolution but it's inevitable that that will happen, you know. A lot of people left their partners when they came back from the training. A lot of people changed things, big things in their lives. You know, big things happen after this kind of work because you just have to do that. You just have to do it because it feels truthful and honest. And I guess it goes back to that programming as well because once you take out all of that programming that you've picked up, maybe, the, you know, the things and the people and, you know, everything that's in your current life just isn't right anymore, or maybe it's not what you actually want. Yeah, it feels incongruent with who you've become. Can you describe, I'd love to hear about a transformation that you've had with one of your clients through healing. Do you have an example of that? Oh, yeah, I do. I have some amazing ones at the moment. So we talked a little bit, didn't we, about heartbreak. Heartbreak, as I said earlier, was the reason why I ended up finding and using energy healing because it helped me. It's helped me over the years because I've had a few really big heartbreaks and it's always been healers that have helped me through it. I'm working with a few people at the moment who've also experienced, you know, the death of a relationship. And I'm feeling really good about this work because it's something that I know so well. And I'm now helping people through the stages that they need to go through to move on, basically, and feel happy about a new future. And, you know, there's different stages involved. Like the first stage is, you know, you need to release the pain from your body, like the hurt. And that is actually a physical, a physical vibration that's in your system. 
if you feel upset, if you're still feeling betrayed, if you're still feeling hurt, if you're still feeling the pain of the loss, you know, those energies and those emotions, they're heavy. They're like big, heavy things that you're carrying around with you. And you can't do anything at all. You've got rid of those from your system and release them. So the first thing you do with people is, is I help them to do that through various healing sessions. And then the next phase of the work is once we've kind of got rid of all of those heavy emotions, then we need to find peace. So that's kind of finding a sense of compassion. So then you get to a place where instead of being angry, you are actually now transmuting those feelings into just feeling compassion for the other person. Even if they did hurt you or even if they did do something, you get to a place of peace. So the red's away from your eyes now. You're just, you can find a, a place of peace and compassion and you can transmute all of those feelings. Anything that's left now is you just find peace with it and you find peace with where you're at and where you are. And then once you've done that stage, and it is a three-pronged sort of phase approach, then the next phase is when people start to get excited about their future or their new future. So I'm working with a couple of people at the moment and we're working through these phases and it's just remarkable and it's it's so rewarding to help somebody get to the point where they are. They've gone from being distraught, like they have no future, they can't imagine their future because they're so wrapped up in what they've lost, to actually feeling excited about a new future or a new probable future and the new potential that they had. And when they look back, they feel compassion rather than anger or upset. And they feel lighter and they go into this new future feeling almost like slightly reborn in a way, but not carrying any of that old baggage with them that's going to come back and bite them on the bum when they meet someone else. And this is the work I'm doing at the moment with people. And it's like a slightly longer series of sessions but it's much more than just sort of coming for one Reiki session, feeling better and then leaving. It's much more of a program that's devised to help somebody through a particular period of their life to help them to move forward and, and get a better life than the one that they had or the one that they've lost. And this is amazing work because it's exactly what I did and exactly what I experienced myself. And I'm now in a position where I can actually help people do that themselves too. So I'm working with two people at the moment who are doing this. And watching them go from the anger and the hurt and the pain and the tears to genuinely feeling excited about their new future, it's totally transforming and it's so rewarding, I can't tell you. I love how you described it too in the different stages because, I mean, I've been through horrible breakups in the past as well. And, you know, it's one of the most, if not the most painful things to experience. And I know in the past, like I would try and just make the pain go away as fast as possible. And I think it's important to experience all those stages so you can work through it. You know, and I've found healing and that's what helped me get through my breakup as well. But I think it's just so helpful for people to hear that this can really help you get through them and somebody is there with you and kind of guiding you through all those stages. Exactly. Because I think, you know, you can talk about stuff a lot and you can get your head around it. And that's normally what we do, don't we? We talk to our friends and we, you know, we go to the pub and we talk about it for months and months and months. But what you have to do is you have to take the energy out of your system. There's an energetic residue 
of the emotions and they have to go they literally have to physically go in order for you to move on and people don't realize that so you can keep talking about a problem and you can get your conscious mind over it but you've still got the energetic vibration in your system so you're going to attract that same pattern again until you heal that until you release it which is why you end up with the same boyfriend doing the same kind of thing and people don't realize they're attracting that same guy because they haven't changed the pattern they haven't changed the energy so it's not just about healing it's about moving forward into a different future one that's better suited for you and that's the missing link when it comes to healing through a breakup you can see a shrink you can talk about it a lot and time definitely will heal a lot of stuff but then there's this other missing link that if you really want to move through and have a different type of partner one that's better suited to you then you have to do this work and getting rid of the patterns that's definitely something that has shown up for me as well and until i realized that became aware of it i kept just going after the same things over and over again so that's such a that's such a good point as well There's one question, though, that we like to ask all of our guests. What would you say in your life has been your greatest teacher? Do you know what's coming to my head is the pain. (laughs) The pain. I know it sounds awful, but the greatest teachers have been the most painful moments. You know, I've had some tragedies happen to me in my life. And it was those things that took me to the lowest places that made me seek out the help, which then were the greatest teachers. If you see what I mean. So it was the depth of the pain that I was experiencing was the greatest teacher. And sadly, that seems to be the case because when things are fine, we don't really need to learn anything because everything's fine and we're happy as Larry. But when life gets painful, something happens, you know, loss of people, deaths, miscarriages, divorces, whatever, you know, when we are really tested and we are really to the lowest points of despair that's when you find help you find sources of inspiration that's when you when you when you learn you really learn and unfortunately that's what life's about isn't it learning a series of lessons a series of lessons and you just have to learn them and then and then you can move through so i would say the worst pain points have been the biggest teachers for me yeah that's very true in my life too and thank you for sharing that that's beautiful And where can people find you if they want to work with you or find out more? Yeah, of course. They can find me at The Calmery, which is the name of my business, which is the T-H-E-C-A-L-M-E-R-Y, which is Calm, Calmery. So you can find me if you Google The Calmery. The the website is thecalmery.com. The Instagram is at The Calmery. There's a Facebook page at The Calmery. It's pretty much at The Calmery everywhere. And you can email me there, you can message me there, you can contact me there, you can read about other people's experiences. And if anyone's interested in the Heal Your Heartbreak program, which is my latest offering, this is the one that I'm really excited about, then I'm taking on three more people next year. Because it's quite intensive, I can't take many people on at a time, but I'll be taking on three people next year. So I have three more spots that will open up and they can be done remotely if you're not in the country. So yeah, if anyone's interested in hearing more about that, then yeah, drop me a line and we can set up a call. Amazing. And we'll link to all of this in the episode notes as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Catherine. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. 
Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. I know you're not feeling well, so I appreciate you taking the time. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review or share it with a friend and hit subscribe so you never miss a show.